Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. I want to talk to you today about making your story go viral. Because y'all have a story, but a lot of you don't share it. And so I want you to look at somebody as we're starting today, and I want you to tell them this. Look at somebody right now. Tell them, you have a story all about God's glory. Tell somebody else. You have a story. Come on, tell somebody. About God's glory. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I didn't ask you to tell them a paragraph. I just... You have a story about God's glory. And I want to start in the book of Acts today because the book of Acts is the book about the birth of the early church, the first Christian church. So before Acts, you had Matthew, Mark, Luke, John that talked about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you have Acts. Jesus died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And then you have the birth of the first Christian church. And the Christian church in the book of Acts, it was the most explosive growth in the history of church. It was also the most persecuted church in any era of humanity. Christians during the early church were martyred. They were imprisoned. They were persecuted, they were beheaded, they were boiled, they were burned alive. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that some of them were sawed in half for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus' disciple Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die the same way his Savior died. The apostle Paul was beheaded for his love of Jesus Christ. But what fascinates me maybe the most about it is that the more people try to shut the gospel down, the more the gospel gets shared around. And it's always been that way. Because you can crucify the Savior and you can murder his disciples but you cannot kill his message and you cannot kill the power of the Holy Spirit and you cannot kill the power of God's presence and his church. And listen, right now, Impact Church, right now, as we sit in the comforts of this gorgeous multi-million dollar facility with air conditioning and cushioned seats and stages and lights and sound systems and all the fun stuff that we add to have a great time in a, a party for Jesus. Christians 
right now are facing persecution all around our world. And I'm talking about they're dying for their faith. Christians right now are literally putting their lives on the line by choosing to live for Jesus Christ. There are places all around the world that are holding underground church services where you have to meet at 1 or 2 a.m. in the middle of the night in somebody's house so that you don't get murdered or imprisoned or tortured because of your love for Jesus Christ. Some of the most dangerous places in the world for Christians are North Korea, where the Bible is illegal. You cannot own a page. There is no Bible app in North Korea. Other places like Afghanistan or Somalia or Sudan or Pakistan or Libya or Iraq or Yemen or Iran, where you are going to be greatly persecuted if you tell the world that you're a believer. And in spite of persecution, they still tell the world that they're believers. And the reason I tell you all this is because I think it's important that we never take for granted the freedom to worship Jesus Christ in the United States of America. That we never take for granted that you can open up your Bible in public if you want to and not be persecuted for reading it. That we never take for granted that you can wear your favorite Jesus Impact shirt, shirt, swag, And you can walk around this nation without anybody persecuting you. Why would people today subject themselves to extreme persecution for a man who lived 2,000 years ago? Why would people in 2022 be martyred for their belief in somebody who died 2,000 years ago. And why does God want you to share your story? That's what we're going to look at today. That was my intro, and now here's the sermon. If you look at Acts 4 with me, I want to read a set of scriptures throughout chapter 4, and it says... The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. Verse 4. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, what is this thing? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. To stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Verse 18, then they called him in and again, and they commanded him not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, listen, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? 
You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen or heard. Would you read verse 20 out loud with me? As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen or heard. We can't help it. We can't help it, can we? I can't help it. We have to share this message. We have to share what we've seen, what we've heard, what we have experienced. Listen, when God truly gets a hold of you and changes your life, you cannot help but talk about it. When God does something so powerful, so real in your life, you won't be able to contain it. And this is how I feel about my own life, is that God changed me, God saved me, God rescued me, God gave his peace to me and purpose for me, God forgave me, and he gave me his grace and mercy and extended his unconditional love over my life. And so for me, I, I can't help it, I, I have to say Something I have to tell anybody that will listen, I'm going to tell them that Jesus Christ changed my life. I feel like what Jeremiah said in chapter 20, verse 9, he said, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot hold it in. I have been asked hundreds of times throughout my career, why did you go into the ministry? What made you go into the ministry? And what made you want to become a pastor? And the answer is fairly simple. It's that Jesus Christ changed my life. That's the answer. Jesus Christ changed my life. I've been empty without purpose. I've been lost in the wilderness. I've been rebellious. I've been drunk. I've been high. I've been arrested. I've been taken to jail. So what made me go into the ministry? I've experienced the miraculous, supernatural, life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And I have discovered the answer to every problem in life. And that is Jesus Christ. I can't help myself. His changing power is like a fire that is shut up in my bones. I've got to share it. I've got to preach it. I've got to write about it. I've got to post about it. I've got to go on TV about it. I want to put billboards out about it. Listen, I have been sharing my story for 29 years. And I know that because of my story, that tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ because of my story. If this is your first time here with me today, don't get this wrong. This is not about me. I have nothing to brag about. There is nothing about me in me that is worth bragging about. I feel like Paul, and I understand what the apostle Paul said when he said, I will never boast about anything except for the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what I boast about today is not about what I can do, but about what God can do. 
But you know what? This message is not even about me. It's about you. Because God wants you to share your story. God wants you to share his story. There's a great verse in Romans 10, 14. The apostle Paul said this. He said, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? If you don't tell them, who's going to tell them? Maybe you've heard this before, but you might be the only Jesus that somebody ever sees. You might be the only Jesus that somebody ever hears. God wants you to share your story. Jesus spoke specifically about this. After his resurrection, he talked to his disciples. And he gave his disciples something that we call the Great Commission. Will you say it out loud? The Great Commission, which is a co-mission with God. So Jesus died, he rose again, and he went to his disciples with some final words. And in Mark 16, 15, he said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Read it with me. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. When Jesus said this, the gospel message of Jesus Christ at that moment was strictly concentrated to Israel. You guys with me? It was concentrated literally, geographically, to Israel. And he said, I'm leaving. I'm about to go spend time in heaven. I want you to take this gospel message to everyone. And then in the book of Acts, it's what starts off the book of Acts in chapter one, verse eight, after his resurrection, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, God's telling you the same thing today. Look at the verse with me again in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in, and the first thing he says is, Jerusalem. What does that mean? Jerusalem is where they were. That is where they were. Then they neighbored with Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. What God is saying to you is he wants you to share the gospel message and start right where you are. Start in your home. Start in your neighborhood. Start in your businesses, your jobs, your career, your team, your family. Start right where you are. The Holy Spirit empowers you. It's time to start telling your story. It's time to go public with your faith. Everybody else going public about what they stand for. I identify as being a kitty cat today. So I'm going public. I'm a cat meow. Next year I might identify with being a horse. I might be a white horse. I might be a brown horse. But what I'm noticing is the forces of evil rise up that the church of God is cowering down. And as the voices of evil get louder, the voices of the church of God are getting quieter. 
And that will not bring any life change to anybody. I came here this morning on a mission to light you on fire, to torch you today. I don't know why you came, but that is why I came. And it is start now time to give God credit for what God deserves the credit for. He is everything that we need. Today I want to give you three reasons, three reasons, and there are hundreds, but I want to give you three that God wants me to tell my story, your story. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. Number one, you need to tell your story because it holds the power to set people free. You don't hold the power. Your Jesus story holds the power to set people free. Now let's not kid ourselves. The world is bound. The world is locked up. People are living their lives locked up physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Not everyone is physically incarcerated, but it might even be worse than that because people are living their lives locked up behind the bars of fear and guilt and shame and regret and bitterness and jealousy and insecurities and sin and addiction. But that's why you have the answer because Jesus is the key to setting people free. He is the key. This is the very first words he ever said publicly. In Luke chapter 4, he enters the synagogue. He stands up and he unravels the scroll of Isaiah. How crazy those times would be to not have Google. (laughs) And he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah. I want to read this to you in Luke chapter 4. It says that Jesus went into Nazareth and he had been brought up where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, the church, as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it. He found the place where it is written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, the very first thing that Jesus ever says publicly, he defines his purpose. I am here to give you freedom. I am here to set you free. I came with good news, and this good news is that I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am who you've been waiting on, and I came to set you free. And then in John chapter 8, Jesus says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Read it with me. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because that's what truth does. It sets you free. Lies, they keep you bound. But the truth, it sets you free. And then in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one, listen, pay attention, Impact Church, no one comes to the Father except through me. This is important because as we've gone into the crazy age of 2020 and beyond, 
We have, I've been noticing church people that even go to our church, post stuff like pictures with Buddha or things about what Buddha said or Muhammad said or whatever said. People think that, they, that, that there's multiple ways to heaven. They think there's multiple ways to the Father. You know what? I'll just sit here and look at this crystal, and this crystal will give me power. I'll go hug a tree in Sedona. I will have power. I, you know what I will do? I will go to a psychic, a palm reader. They are possessed by the devil. They are not of God. It is not God's word. They are not prophets of the most high God. You have to be careful because Jesus said this for this very reason. Because he said when the end times come, even the very elect will be deceived. Why is the gospel of Jesus Christ spreading like wildfire 2,000 years after its founder and CEO had died? Have you ever thought 2,000 years is a long time? When you die, do you think 2,000 years from now, anybody on the planet will know your name? No. How is it? that 2,000 years later, the gospel still spreads like wildfire? The answer is because he's the truth. He's the truth. Jesus is the truth. And you know what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19? It says, the truth stands the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Truth it stands the test of time. 2,000 years later. Listen, it's not like the gospel and the Bible hasn't been scrutinized and criticized and tried and tested. And people have tried over and again to discredit, to disprove the Bible. In fact, there's this famous guy that was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune, an atheist who set out to disprove the Bible and as he set out to disprove the Bible, he became a believer of Jesus Christ and in the Bible. His name is Lee Strobel. He became a pastor and one of the most prominent Christian authors in our time today. Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. Listen, somebody in your life, they need you to tell them the truth. Somebody in your life, they need to hear the truth. They need to hear your story. That's called your testimony. Testimonies are powerful, incredibly powerful. Nobody can disprove your own life story. You can't tell me something didn't happen to me that happened to me. You can't say, well, I don't think God is real because of the experiences you had. You can't tell me what God did or did not do in my life. That's my testimony. You can't take my testimony. Testimonies are powerful. You might not believe for yourself yet, but you can't tell me what God has or has not done in my life. Jesus Christ has set me free. He has set me free. Testimonies are powerful. And you have one. Think about the infomercial industry. They sell billions of dollars in products every year for trash. 
is an infomercial that comes on for 28 minutes and 30 seconds. And there's these models they hire. They're models. They're getting paid to look like they look. And then they come out and the product is something ridiculous. Like a rubber band. <laughs> Buy this rubber band for $19.99 and do this every day for 38 seconds. And you too can look like him. And you too can look like her. And they're like, who else wants a hit of whatever they're smoking? Because I can tell you right now, they did not start looking like that because they've been pulling a rubber band back and forth. Those are paid professionals, but we buy it because of the power of testimony. Man, I need that. Give me the number. I, one of the most ridiculous infomercial things I've ever seen in my life is called a potty putter. You sit on the crapper and practice putting. Yeah, no joke. I could get good at my game while I'm here. Look at somebody and tell them your testimony's powerful. Your testimony's powerful. Some products are garbage, but the crazy thing is if we're buying all the garbage based on testimony, how much more powerful is your story because it's the truth. I wanna look at number two. You need to tell your story because it holds the power to bring healing. Everywhere I look, I see brokenness. I see confusion, delusion. I see pain. I see people hurting. Many of you are hurting. That's why we need Jesus. Because we call him the great physician. Some of you are physicians and you're good ones. But he's the great physician. He is our healer. He, he still heals today. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. He heals people physically, emotionally, mentally. He is our healer. This is one of the purposes of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, that Jesus went throughout Galilee and he went teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus is the truth and he is the healer. Let me tell you a fact. Your hell that you have been through, your hell can bring someone else Healing, but you got to talk about it. Facts. Your brokenness can put somebody else back together. Facts. The hurt that you've been through can help others. If you've been at our church for any length of time, you've heard me share this scripture. It's a big one for me in my own life, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, and it says this. He comforts us in our troubles. How many are thankful for that? He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Let me ask it this way. If you had the answer for cancer, would you share it? If you had the cure for cancer, 
would you share it or keep it to yourself? You would share it. I would share it. If I had the answer to cancer, I would tell the world. I would give it away freely. I'm not like the corrupt conglomerates who maybe they do have the answer for cancer, but they're just keeping it so that we keep racking up medical bills. Who knows? But if I had the answer, I'd give the answer. If I had the cure, I'd give the cure for free. See, there's a disease worse than cancer, and it's called hopelessness. And Jesus is the cure. Jesus is the answer. God wants you to share your story. I want to put you inside of my own head for a minute, which is probably a really scary place to be, but I'm going to take you there. I wake up every morning, pretty much of my life, trying to figure out how to give more people the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the sole reason for my existence. Every day, I'm thinking, how can I bring more people to Jesus Christ? Every day, all day. I work as hard as I can. I'm as creative as I can. I'll spend the time, the energy, the money. I run ads on Facebook and ads on Google and ads on Instagram. I'm putting billboards out. I'm doing, I'm spending a lot of money to try to continue to get the message of Jesus Christ out. But you know what? If y'all would do your freaking job, I wouldn't have to do any of that. This section's clapping, I'm coming over here. We have about 1,600 seats set up in here. I want you to just look around for a minute. Does anybody see? There's not a lot of them, but you see those empty chairs? Can you fill them up next Sunday? Can you fill them up next Sunday? Is it that hard? Is it that scary? Will you come to church? When people are getting their heads cut off, but I don't want to go public about my faith. You know, a study says that 99%, they, they surveyed 1,000 non-churchgoers, 99% of 1,000 non-churchgoers said that they would go to church. They would go if a friend invited them. It's funny because this commission isn't reserved for preachers and pastors and bishops and priests and popes and reverends, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. And I know that we are a very inviting church. I've had people tell me in the past that are, there's some of you, you invite and bring people every week. And I've had people tell me that it's an easy invite. It should be an easy invite. We hold the power that changes the world. It should be an easy invite. It shouldn't be terrifying. It shouldn't be freaky. If you bring your friends next week, I promise we'll put the snakes away. All the cultish punch, the Kool-Aid, 
whatever they drank. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that you have a job and the greater majority of you, you're not doing a good job at it. I told you I came to torture you today. Next week, I'll do something on love and grace and since you're bringing all your homies. Let's look at number three. And this is the most important one. You need to tell your story because it holds the power of salvation. I don't know what Bible you believe in or read or don't read or partially read. The Bible that I have preached for 29 years and studied thoroughly talks about a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I don't want anybody in hell. I would love to take everybody that I could take to heaven. We're spiritual beings before we are physical beings. And this is just our earthly temple. The Bible calls it the temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't call it the temple of Travis Hearn. It calls it the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the moment you surrender your life to Christ, dwells in you. Acts chapter 1-8 says, now you have some power. You have some power. Your story has and holds the power of salvation. I want to read to you a scripture from Romans that Paul wrote. But before I read Romans 1-16, I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop. Because Rome was the capital city, the capital of the mighty Roman Empire. And the book of Romans is essentially the constitution of the church. Paul is trying to tell us what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like. He talks about the balance of the Old Testament law with Jesus coming and the New Testament grace. It is the constitution of the church. The Christian church was not started in Rome by Paul. In fact, if you know the word in Acts chapter 2, it talks about the day of Pentecost, which was a festival that people would come from all around the surrounding nations to Jerusalem for this day of Pentecost. The church in Rome probably started from Romans going to the day of Pentecost and hearing the powerful preaching of Peter and then going back to Rome and starting a church there. But Paul had great interest in the gospel not only spreading, but being taught appropriately. Because Rome was the most powerful place on the planet. And if we can get this inside of Rome and get it right, it's going to go viral. And that is exactly what it did around the entire world. With that, let me read Romans 1.16 because it was in Rome where they suffered great persecution. Where people were murdered and martyred and beheaded and burned alive for the cause of Christ. So Paul in Romans 1.16, he says to the church in Rome, but also to us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation 
to everyone who believes. Why would anybody be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I see the weirdest bumper stickers, window stickers. I, I mean, people put some crap. Have you ever seen a big jacked up redneck hillbilly truck driving down the road and it's got male parts hanging from its tail hitch, whatever you call that thing. So that's what you stand for. Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find one of those. So I'm a freaking man. I'm going to hang a sack from my truck. Just let everybody know. Testosterone runs deep in my blood. Like, what? You have lost your mind. But God forbid we put an Impact Church window sticker on our car. God forbid I go public with my faith and share about something that actually matters, something that actually has power to set the world free. He says, I'm not ashamed. Why would anybody be ashamed? Why would you go to work and never tell a soul that you love Jesus Christ? Why would you go to work and go have lunch with a business partner and be too afraid to pray before you eat your food that God allowed you to have. See, in Romans 1.14, a few scriptures before this one, Paul says this powerful phrase. He says, for I am obligated to preach the gospel. Let me tell you something. So are you. You are obligated to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am obligated. Why? Because the cost of not preaching the gospel is way too high. I mean, it's crazy because, yes, we have been a fast-growing church. We blew up. This church has blown up. I don't know what the end is. People's like, well, how big, PT, you want the church? I don't want the church to be a certain number. If there's one person, one more person that needs Jesus Christ out in this community, then our church is not big enough. We have an obligation to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's the answer to all of life's problems. Why would anybody be ashamed? I'm gonna tell you the answer. The answer is because for the person who's ashamed, they've never really experienced the life-changing power of God. You might know about God, but you don't know God. Not the God I know. You might know about Jesus Christ, but you don't know Jesus Christ. Because when you know Jesus Christ, it's like a fire that is shut up in your bones and you can't help but share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said it like this in Luke 9, 26. He said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and the holy angels. Jesus was so intentional about teaching us on sharing our faith and our story that in the very first sermon he ever preached in Matthew chapter 5, called the Sermon on the Mount, he called you the salt and the light. Let, Let me read it. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. And then he quotes Led Zeppelin, trampled underfoot. <laughs> you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone who sees in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why does Jesus call you the salt and the light? Because you have influence. He calls you the salt because Salt, salt adds flavor. Salt preserves things and keeps things from going rotten. And that's our job in this world. He calls you the light because when you're a man of God and a woman of God, you have the light in you. Jesus Christ, who said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never Walk in darkness. You are a light. He says nobody lights a light and then hides it. Why would we do that? That's just stupidity. Absolute, absolute stupidity. We have these lights right here, stage lights, because they light up the stage. They light up the singers and our worship leaders and they light up the band and they light up the preachers so that we can see. But what if we had these lights and we said, you know what, let's cover them with a box. All of them. Why? I don't know. So we won't be seen. That's why. That's why people put it under a bowl because they don't want to be seen. And we have an obligation See, many people, they're hiding their lives under a bowl. And there's various reasons. But I think one of the biggest reasons is fear. And the fear runs deep. Well, what will people think if I tell my story? What will people say? What if I get rejected and they call me a freak? Well, I'm not perfect. They know I'm not perfect. I don't want to tell them I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect. 
Listen, that's exactly why you should tell them about Jesus Christ. They already know you're not perfect. And when you begin to tell them that you found the hope and you found the light, it is going to make them interested in why you, being imperfect, is crazy about something that they don't yet know about. What I'm asking is, is I'm asking for help from every single one of you in the Great Commission. Will you help me? Will you help me build the kingdom of God? Will you help me take this gospel message to everybody that will listen? It's funny because I think the greatest reward, and I've had a lot of great rewards in my life. Having my babies, that was cool. I cried with all three of them. Like the miracle of life is crazy. That was rewarding. Getting married, rewarding. There is nothing in my life more rewarding than when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. Nothing more rewarding. I want to ask if you'll bow your heads with me and I'm going to close this in prayer because I got to get to the Cardinals game, but I could preach all day. Some of you here today, you have a lot of information about God. You know about God, you just don't know God. You know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. That's why your life is powerless. And instead of being around God, God wants to be in you. Today, some of you, you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You need to admit the truth. You need to acknowledge the truth because the truth will set you free. I'm so thankful that I had a mother who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. If she wouldn't have shared that with me, I wouldn't be here sharing it with you. It's a snowball effect. And listen, some of you spend so much freaking time building your own empire. God wants you to redirect your priorities and build his empire. It says in Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be a kingdom builder. Surrender your life to Christ. Admit the truth, acknowledge the truth because the truth will set you free. If you're here today and you don't know if you are going to heaven, you're not sure. If you died today, would you go home to be with the Lord? If you can't say yes and you're unsure, 
then today I'm speaking to you right now. I want you to step out in faith and acknowledge the way, truth, and the life. I want you to surrender all to Jesus Christ and to become a Christian. If that's you with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, if that's you today, right now, you know I'm speaking to you, you can feel it in your heart. If that's you, and you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ today, I want you to lift your hand right now, right where you are, all over this room. Come on, go ahead, lift it up, lift it up. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ today. There are so many hands, keep them up, so many hands, you guys, keep them up, keep them up for just a minute. God, I pray for every hand that is lifted in the air to you today as they step out in faith. God, I pray that your spirit, God, would fill them so full that they would have a life of power and freedom. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for the resurrection. God, that you would resurrect in us. That we are made alive spiritually today. We become born again today. Born of the Spirit of God. Thank you for your unconditional love. God loving us in spite of us. God, I pray for all of us. God, that we would be people that partner with the Great Commission. In our homes, in our families, in our jobs, our careers, our teams, on social media. Some people post about everything and out in their brother. They never post anything about Jesus Christ. Change us, God. Convict us, God. God, I believe that end of time is coming soon. So God, raise the boldness and the courage in each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.